B2B marketers are more likely to use social media to actually build partnerships across the industry, across the market, and to also understand what's happening in the market, to gain competitor insights about you know, what's happening in their landscape, as opposed to the B2C. So they use it quite a lot for building their brand, for generating leads, but also kind of like a market research tool. Uh, whilst B2C brands, it's really a lot about traffic, building that awareness and actually driving sales. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the B2BMX podcast. I'm so excited to have Ksenia Montan on the pod with me today. Ksenia is the CEO and co-founder of Planable.io, and it's a content review and marketing collaboration platform. And Ksenia is an exceptional businesswoman, if you ask me. She's the ultimate girl boss. She actually built a digital marketing agency at just 20 years old. She's been recognized on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. She published a book called The Manifesto on Content Marketing Teams and even launched her own podcast called People of Marketing. So that is a killer resume. Ksenia is a pro at all things content and social media marketing, which just so happened to be two of my favorite topics. So I'm super excited to dive into it with Ksenia today to talk about all things social media marketing, because I just personally feel like we don't talk about this topic enough from a B2B angle. So Ksenia, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm so excited. But first, for our listeners who may not be familiar with Planable, can you give us a brief overview of how the company uh, helps teams increase their social media content creation efficiency? Yeah, of course. So Planable is a collaboration and content review tool for social media teams. So when it comes to larger teams, it really helps a lot to unite those teams, to help them bring more order in the way they work and to help them coordinate the way they publish social media content. Uh, so it really helps you know the marketing teams save quite a lot of time when it comes to planning, when it comes to approval processes, when it comes to all the back and forth and the communication that happens in social media teams before they publish something live. So that's, you know, what Planable has been doing for the past five years. We've been helping both B2C and B2B brands, both agencies and consumer brands from nonprofits to universities to healthcare businesses all across the world, just streamline the way they work and be more productive with the way they plan content for social. That's awesome. And I truly believe these types of platforms are so helpful because many teams are always, they may not all be on the same page. You know, some people, especially with this work from home situation that we have going on still, having that type of collaboration platform where everybody could get on that same page is really, really important. So social media marketing, I love it personally, even as a consumer and B2C or uh, brands and companies really do it so well, but it differs a little bit for B2B. And from a B2B perspective, what should organizations really take into account? 
I agree. It's very different goals, very different strategies, and also very different content types and very, you know, content plans in B2B organizations versus B2C brands. I think B2C brands typically use social media quite a lot to drive to drive traffic, to drive sales, to increase the brand awareness, uh, whilst the goals for B2B organizations are more likely to be something around brand development and lead generation. Most probably B2B businesses are not going to directly close businesses over social media and sign contracts over social media, but it's definitely going to help them generate more leads and generate more opportunities and solidify their brand. So there's a lot of advantages for B2B brands to use social media to create more business opportunities. I've read the report recently about B2B marketers and it was saying that you know B2B marketers are more likely to use social media to actually build partnerships across the industry, across the market, and to also understand what's happening in the market, to gain competitor insights about, you know, what's happening in their landscape as opposed to the B2C. So they use it quite a lot for building their brand, for generating leads, but also kind of like a market research tool. Uh, whilst B2C brands, it's really a lot about traffic, building that awareness and actually driving sales. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I couldn't agree more. There is no shopping app on, let's say, Instagram (laughs) for B2B companies, right? But I I do like your point where you said that it's good to get even customer and potentially buyer insights to help really fuel different marketing campaigns. I think social media has a really strong opportunity there to get those unique, even first party insights for B2B companies. So I love that you said that. How does social media content creation vary across B2B industries? Is there a universal playbook or is it a little more nuanced depending on the industry? I think there's a couple of common threads that you see across the B2B industry. And even looking at ourselves at Planable, the way we do content and the way we do social is very different from our own clients that are more on the consumer side. And the first thing that you notice when you look at it is that there's this term of thought leadership that is very used in the B2B world, but you don't hear about it that often in the B2C world. And it seems like B2B brands, B2B content marketers, think more about how to drive value, how to educate their audience, how to satisfy, you know, the kind of like the informational needs of their audience. Whilst with B2C organizations, it can be a lot about the product, really. So B2B brands, they don't talk that much strictly about the product or the services. It's more in the line of the thought leadership, as as I mentioned earlier. Whilst for B2C, it's a lot about product. It's a lot about the benefits that the product brings. It's a lot about lifestyle, how the company can help. And it's also a lot about discounts, promotions, and all of that that you don't see in the B2B world that much. So this thought leadership concept is very, very common in the B2B world, but I haven't seen it that much. I know more and more brands are 
more and more B2C brands are taking on the thought leadership aspect, like Colgate, you know, writing uh, blog articles about how to take care of dental hygiene and so on. They're definitely, you know, doing that more and more. But for B2B brands, the type of content that they build is very, very heavy on the professional informational side and much, much less on the entertainment, less of the fun entertainment product aspect. That's the biggest difference. And then when you look at the actual content formats, oh, those vary quite a lot. B2B brands have a lot of content formats that you don't really see in the B2C world, like white papers and content industry reports and, and webinars and you know infographics and case studies, ebooks, all of that stuff that's not really present in the B2C world. So a lot of diversity, a lot of differences between the content that uh, B2B marketers build and, and B2C ones. Do. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely been the case for quite some time, even outside of social media itself, that B2C tends to be a little more fun and creative. And everybody always says, you know, B2B is boring. But honestly, in my opinion, it doesn't have to be boring. And you could have some fun with it. And I know, like going on to my next question, actually, for you, B2B companies are I know personally are, are heavy on LinkedIn and Twitter and, and maybe even Facebook, but we have so many new platforms out there that B2C is doing so well, right? Even with you know all of the influencers out there, Instagram, TikTok. Do you see Instagram or TikTok or any of these more visual platforms being useful for B2B brands as they kind of start coming out of their shell to become more human and, and more fun? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, if you look at what channels B2B brands use, it's definitely very heavy on the professional side of the social networks like LinkedIn and Twitter and, and Facebook and more and more Instagram. Not many B2B brands have jumped on Clubhouse or TikTok or the more, the more fun or the more... I don't know how to call them. The more non-traditional social media networks. But I think we're going to see that happening more and more. It's natural for consumer brands, for B2C brands to jump first on this type of platforms. Since it's just the right environment for them, it makes the most sense. It's really a lot about a lot about entertainment, a lot about life, a lot about jokes and fun. And it's much harder to incorporate that into your B2B content. It's totally doable. And I've seen I've seen brands doing it. I've seen, you know, brands like potentially Dropbox making it, for example, they have a great tone of voice, they have a fun personality, and they do manage to join this type of platforms. And I think that's the trend. But I haven't seen that many B2B brands, to be honest. I hope I will more and more. Yeah, me too. And obviously, I think it also just depends on the audience you're catering to. And if that audience is actually on Instagram, like, exactly. we might not have too many TikTokers in the B2B space yet. But you know, these generations are growing and Gen Z is coming into the, the business world now slowly but surely and millennials are already you know here and big in the marketing space and things like that so I'm definitely excited to see more of that yeah you know the fact that I think one of the reasons why 
this doesn't happen that much with B2B brands is just because they have a very niche, very specific customer personas compared to B2C brands. B2C brands are supposed to have a very, very defined customer persona, but it's very hard to do that for them. So it's usually quite wide, quite broad range of of people that they target. Whilst for B2B brands, it needs to be extremely specific. So they have very defined audiences. So that's, you know, why it makes it very hard for the new platforms to target because they don't have yet the capabilities to do so. So it's really hard to find, you know, CEOs and CMOs on TikTok. They're there but you don't know how to find them yet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll find them soon enough, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) And with remote work still a likelihood for the unforeseeable future, I'm sure a lot of companies are opening their offices back up again, but many of us are, are still working from home. So that need to keep internal teams motivated and excited is, is really, really important. So tell me about the role of social media content management and, and how it kind of helps in that sense to really bring teams together and plan their content for their audiences, you know, so you could deliver that type of engagement on social media at the right time and place. Yeah, I think now more than ever with work from home, but also even with the transition potentially from remote work back to the offices, even across that transition, I think it's more important than ever to break down those silos that usually happen between between teams and small companies, but also more importantly, bigger companies as well. So I think it's more important than ever to have that type of communication across teams to build unity, to over communicate actually, and to build that alignment, to have, you know, the right systems in place and the right tools in place uh, so that you can bring order into the way teams work, but also keep the brand messages aligned. That's more important than it was ever before. So I think the more teams keep working from home, they need to have some way to be connected, to collaborate efficiently between each other. And if that's some kind of a combination of tools or a dedicated tool, like, you know, like we're doing a planable, it's up to the team to decide, but it's so important to prioritize how the team communicates and what their workflow looks and how to make it as productive as possible, especially with so many teams reporting burnout and reporting the fact that the line between personal life and work has become so blurry. It's so important to just make it as as efficient as possible. And now a word from our sponsor. Want to keep that human connection with customers and coworkers while working remotely? Vidyard is an online video platform that lets you easily create and add video to your emails, website, and presentations. With user-friendly video creation and screen recording tools, easy content storage and management, and powerful features like video analytics, Vidyard is the online video platform that's built for your business. See what Vidyard can do for you. You definitely shared some great advice already, but in terms of just leaders in general, whether they're a marketing leader, CMO, even higher up, can you share any advice on how leaders can keep their teams engaged, especially as all of this Zoom fatigue and webinar burnout and all these things are are going on? Like we've been in this work from home, social distancing world for a little while already. So I'm sure people are starting to get 
unmotivated in, in a sense. So how can leaders keep their teams engaged? Yeah, I think the number one superpower that you have as a leader is your empathy and just showing that you feel them, that you're in the same boat as they are, that you're struggling with it because you certainly are. I think just having that human connection with your team and engaging with them in a genuine way is so, so important right now. Just human to human is just extremely important. It sounds very simple and very basic, but I think that's that's very important. Just, you know, having uh, random, maybe potentially unscheduled check-ins or, you know, one-on-ones to keep in touch with people, having those casual happy hours over the Zoom, but not, you know, making it mandatory, just optional for whoever wants to join, whoever wants to connect, because, you know, we're already having a lot of screen time. So adding that on top of Tim's time and not being mindful of that could be potentially a mistake sometimes. So just, you know, being connecting genuinely with them and being empathetic, prioritizing being there for them is very important. I remember I read it somewhere that one of the biggest mistakes you can do as a leader is to always be busy. So making time and uh, putting time aside for those type of connections is very important. Awesome. And how is the need for planning content emphasized by current events specifically? Obviously, one it was a global pandemic, current events, and, and it emphasized many, many things for all of us. But even just, you know, anything that you see on the news, how is planning content emphasized by these current events? Is this something that organizations should really lean into? Or is it something to not really mention or take people's minds off? I think content is extremely crucial in this environment. There has never been a demand as big for content as right now. People, especially at the beginning of the pandemic and across the year, because the pandemic wasn't the only worrying event that happened in 2020 and also, you know, now in 2021, parts of the world are very hot right now and not not in a good sense. So I think brands have this social responsibility to have some values and respect those values, be mindful of who they support, be mindful of what they say on social media, not jump on some values that they just built on right now just for the sake of being relevant. <laughs> we should all remember the, the Pepsi commercial. Yeah, it's really important to like with the leaders, as I mentioned before, to just be empathic. But also, I don't think the right approach is to like not plan content and not deliver content because you feel like you're oversaturating the market, that there's so much happening and you, you don't want to be, you know, there in the noise. I think your audience needs that. It expects you to provide meaningful, valuable content for them that informs them, that educates them, that clarifies things for them. And I think there's a lot of brands out there that are super helpful in the way they build content. And it's really content that clarifies things about the world, that helps people be better at their work, that you can, you know, learn and answer questions. Every time we Google something, you know, and we want to learn something, we get answers on all kinds of blogs and someone has been planning content and writing that content for us so we can learn. So I think we should always remember that and not feel like not feel like we're bothering people with, you know, what we're doing because of what's happening in the world. 
the world is always going going to be, you know, busy and crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely about adapting, but keeping that value proposition that you have as exactly. a brand intact. I definitely agree. But I feel like a lot of companies only really scratch the surface when it comes to social media content marketing specifically, let alone content management. So what steps can organizations take to really unlock and harness its full potential? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, first of all, companies, organizations need to really know what their goals are with social and with content. That's the first step. They need to know their goals, their objectives, what's the mandate that content and social media has, what's to be expected from those parts of the marketing mix. So once you know that, it really acts like a North Star for the direction that you're taking with content, the steps that you're taking. And I think, again, this sounds very simple, but so many companies are not doing it. They're just jumping into social. They're just jumping into building content without asking themselves all of those crucial, important questions that will be the foundation of what they do next. So once you have that figured out, you also need to ask yourself, you know, okay, I know what my audience is. I know what my goals and my objectives are. I know where I can find my audience. We've been talking about the channels that are most relevant for B2B organizations. And I know what type of content I'm going to create. How is all of this actually going to happen? Like, I have a team that is going to build content, but how are they going to collaborate between each other? What's like the operational system? What's going to be the OS of this entire team? So you need to have that in place and you need to think about it. And as soon as you prioritize that, as the better, because once you're in the depth of it, once in the, you're in the midst of it and you're already, you know, building content, it's really hard to change it. There's a change cost later on. So the sooner you do it, the better for your team. They can save more time and they can be more productive. But you have to have all of those big things in place. What's the content? Why are you doing it? Who are you trying to target? And how are you going to do this all? So answering all of those crucial uh, questions is the most important steps to get started. Yeah. I mean, essentially, you really have to look at it from the point of view of any other campaign that you're running, right? It requires planning. It requires an, an audience, a specific audience and specific content and things related to them. So you really just have to use that type of mindset, right? Exactly. Yes, I agree. I love that. I want to talk a little bit about scaling social media content. It could be a concern for many companies, especially smaller to medium-sized organizations. So they started off, um, they had their plan, they did all of the things right, and now they want to scale it and take it to the next level. So what are some common struggles that you see in that aspect? And if there are any remedies to those struggles, please share those as well. Yeah, of course. I think the biggest struggle is the time, right? So, you know, you start building content at some point you're not going to have time to build more content it's going to become a bottleneck and the only way you can create more time is to have more resources to have more people so that's you know going to buy you some time or to make your current team more efficient so i've talked a little bit about making your current team efficient with the right tools with the tools you know that help you streamline the way you work basically kind of reduce the amount of tedious work and automate a lot of the parts that you do and definitely planable is one of those tools that can help with that and on the other side with bringing in more resources 
you can start small. Uh, you can outsource some of that stuff to content creators around the world. And there's different techniques, either freelancers, platforms like Upwork or Fiverr that can help you get started small with one or two freelancers part-time, hourly, so that they can help you create content. One strategy that I've seen with a lot of B2B organizations is that they keep they keep the strategy obviously in-house because it's more connected to the brand, to the business, the planning, the project management, and some of the parts of the creative process, they outsource it to freelancers. And then there's the other direction where you can actually go to experts, you know, micro-influencers in your industry that can help you create that type of content. And you can use them in different shapes or forms, like invite them in webinars, and there you're providing the logistics and the platform, and they're coming with the content, with the knowledge, or have guest posts on your blog. Or there's a bunch of techniques, but basically you can own it 100% and outsource it partially or entirely. Or there's the other route where you can go to independent content creators like influencers or experts in your consultants in your industry that can act as a component of your content plan, actually. So two different strategies. You either bring in more people and more resources or with the type of resources that you have, you make them more efficient and you squeeze as much as possible out of them by automating a bunch of things, by implementing the right tools to help your team be more organized and be more productive and save more time. Awesome. Really great stuff. Content in general and, and even social media content. And it, it's actually why I enjoy talking about it and writing about it for Demand Gen Report. It could be really fun and playful. And I do see a lot of B2B companies now taking it to that more fun and playful side, whether it's through visuals and, and just the way they engage with other buyers and things like that. So throughout your experience working with so many different companies from both B2B and B2C, organizations, is there any content that really stood above the rest or specifically any campaigns that were especially memorable for you? Yeah, that's a, I think a good question. I mentioned earlier the um, Dropbox example. I think Dropbox was one of the first, I mean, they do have the consumer side as well, but they do have the business, the, the B2B side as well. But they were one of the first B2B companies, definitely one of the first tech companies that have embraced this more playful tone of voice, the illustrations that they had. Illustrations are now everywhere. <laughs> everywhere uses fun, casual, vibrant illustrations on their websites. But Dropbox was actually one of the first that did it. And it was very innovative, and very new and very courageous for them at that time to do it. One of the other pieces of content that I've seen recently, it was a couple of years ago, actually, one of the pieces that really impressed me quite a lot in terms of the how big it was as an initiative and how bold it was. I'm talking about Wistia's documentary. Wistia is a video platform, I think, and they created an entire documentary about how a video production agency can create a commercial on three different budgets for $1,000, for $10,000, and for $100,000. And it was an entire documentary following them around the process of creating that and what it entitles. And that was, to me, it was mind-blowing how big they went, how big they thought, and just the entire tone of voice 
I think it was a big, big bet for them. And it was a really fun, really interesting type of campaign. It had it would probably cost it a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, very clever, very memorable, just because you... It's all about video, how video is being created, resources that goes into video, and this really nice, memorable thing with the budgets that, you know, really stays with you. So great work, Vistia. (laughs) That's awesome. I haven't even heard of that. And they were almost like ahead of their time a little bit because, you know, I know video is huge now, especially for B2B companies, but it's always those shorter videos or demo videos. And we don't really talk about documentaries as a piece of content in B2B. So that's really, really cool. Well, Ksenia, that's all of the questions I have for you today. I really appreciate you joining me and and sharing your expertise and all of these great insights and examples with our audience. Thank you so much for having me uh, on the podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, it was great chatting with you too. And to everyone out there listening, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you were able to get some good notes about how to take your social media and content planning strategies to the next level. As always, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. You could find find us on all of the major podcast players. And of course, if you have any any guest suggestions or topic suggestions you want to see covered on the pod. So yeah, that is a wrap on another episode. Thank you again, everyone. I'll catch you next time. 